I'm back, baby. He's back. I'm hosting again, baby. That's right. Welcome to Bomb Squad Movie Night. And today we're talking about what is quite literally the biggest movie of all time. James Cameron's masterpiece or waste of time, depending on your point of view. Avatar. Hold on. We're, we're talking about James Cameron's Avatar. I, I thought we were talking about Avatar The Last Airbender. No, with James Blue People. Alright, bye. Wait, bye. What? Well, fuck us, I guess. But before we get into talking about James Cameron's Avatar, guys, do you know what made James Cameron's Avatar a very unique and influential movie? The technology? Tall, half-naked, blue people. Yes, but other than that, the fact that it was 3D. So guys, I'm just curious, what are some movies better in 3D or enhanced by 3D, other than the obvious answer of Avatar? Austin, I wanna start with you. I think the one that started it all, you can't forget this modern wave of real D 3D polarized 3D is Chicken Little, the Disney film. No, no, my, my big answer, like at the start of this is Hugo, the Martin Scorsese film. That is the best goddamn 3D movie I've ever seen that's not Avatar. I don't know what they did that was so special, but it was so worth it. They used the Martin Scorsese button. Joe, what about you? Okay, so I'm going to go with a very schlocky answer, and it's it happens to be on my shirt. Uh, I'm going to say Friday the 13th Part 3 in 3D. I love the Friday the 13th franchise, but every single one of those fucking movies is garbage. That being said, if you really want a fun time, find a DVD copy that has the 3D version of Friday the 13th Part 3 in 3D and enjoy yourself some really goofy, schlocky kills in 3D. Eyeballs are they'll pop right out of the screen and so will a yo-yo for some reason. If you think you're going schlocky, Joe, I'm going extra schlocky because this is going to sound like a joke answer, but I didn't say good 3D movies. I said movies where the 3D makes it better. Therefore, Shark Boy and Lava Girl counts as a valid answer here. <laughs> I saw that in 3D as well in that the is theater. One of the earliest memories I have of seeing a movie in theaters, it, it was either that or Spy Kids 3D is one of my earliest memories of seeing a movie in theaters. Again, not a good 3D movie, but it is enhanced by the 3D aspects. I've always wanted to see humongous George Lopez in 4D. Wasn't Spy Kids 3D released with a Smell-O-Vision card, or am I mistaken? No, that was uh, Spy Kids 4. That had uh, the that's what it, that was the one where the gimmick was 4D. The only scratch and sniff experience I've ever had was with the, the Rugrats meet the Wild Thornberry crossover <laughs> movie, where one of the earliest instances of it is when a baby shits in its diaper and it's like, all right, kids, scratch and sniff. And Good I'm God. like, hmm, this is some guy's fetish, I think. I was going to say that that movie came out the same year as Spy Kids 3D, so they tried to revitalize two, like, failed uh, marketing gimmicks. I always thought they should have brought back Scratch and Smith in porno theaters. Austin, another 3D oh movie. <laughs> this movie, I, I think, almost only works in 3D and IMAX. Gravity, the Sandra Bullock film. <laughs> Good answer, Joe. Now here's an actual really good movie that actually utilized 3D for very specific sequences. I'm talking about the hit 2012 film Dread. And when I say hit, I say that loosely. It's a cult <laughs> hit. God damn it. <laughs> R.I.P. Dread 2. I, I wish you were happening, but you know what? Your 3D sequences in slow-mo were fucking incredible. Uh, great answers, great answers. Um, Doctor Strange. 
is uh, perhaps the best conversion job I have seen when it comes to 3D too, because most of these movies we're talking about were shot with multiple cameras, 3D in mind. Other, another movie that was shot with multiple cameras, The Room. The 3D cut has to exist, Tommy Wiseau, oh, you're a coward. But Doctor Strange, that trip and balls sequence where like Doctor Strange gets sent through the multiverse shit in the first movie, not the second movie, in 3D, oh my god, you haven't lived until you've seen hands that grow hands that grow hands and then grow hands in 3D. I gotta say the anti-good, worst 3D post-conversion of all time, Clash of the Titans. Oh my god! It threw me off yes. 3D movies forever. Yes. I had the biggest fucking headache walking out of that. A uh, real answer though, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. That movie was fucking great, and the 3D just made it better. Animated movies, in my experience, are always great in 3D because, unlike live action, you can sort of just re-render it with two cameras, which is what I think they do when it comes to the 3D stuff, and that's, it fits, it works a lot better. Okay, I'm actually gonna throw two out. For starters, the original creature from the Black Lagoon from the 1950s. It's like, if you can get a 3D copy of that, that's a fun little time, and it's a saw little movie. But the one I have more to say about is 2010's Piranha 3D. This is a movie that's amazing because it has gratuitous violence, ridiculous gore, and boobs. And it's all in 3D. It's such a fantastic experience. Shame the sequel sucked, though. I have one more. The 1922 film Plastigrams. The first 3D movie sure. ever made, baby. Well, oddly enough, in my opinion, the best 3D movie came, I believe, a year before Avatar did, or a year after Avatar did, I can't remember. It's a journey um, to the center Are you gonna fucking Absolutely not. No, it is neither <laughs> of those answers. It's an actual, it's a masterpiece, a masterwork of cinema. I'm, of course, talking about Jackass 3D. Hey. Oh, yeah, that came out after <laughs> Avatar. Yeah, 2010, I think, mm -hmm. now that I think about it. I got my yeah. ears wrong there. Jackass 3D. My, you haven't lived until you've seen Bam Margera get absolutely just knocked the fuck out in 3D. But what about Saw 7 in 3D? That also Shut came up. out that same month. The best part of Saw 7 <laughs> is that Dr. Gordon was working for Jigsaw the whole time. That is still the greatest plot twist in the history of cinema. Fair. All right, all right, all right. So I think that's all about 3D movies, but clearly there's an elephant in the room here because when you're going to talk about best movies in 3D, the actual answer is James Cameron's Avatar. Yes. <laughs> so before we get into talking about the movie overall, I just want to know, what do you guys think of the 3D in Avatar? And what do you think about the third, like 3D craze that kind of came off because of Avatar. Joe, I'll start with you. I did not get to see the 3D re-release uh, that happened recently, but I did see the movie in 3D when it came out. And I mm. got to tell you, there, there was something about the 3D of Avatar that just felt special because it, it wasn't like the gimmicky kind of 3D that like we were just kind of used to. Like they weren't throwing shit at the screen. Like Antonio Banderas wasn't flying out of the screen to go save the spy kids. No, this is just like James Cameron trying to get like, the audience as like immersed as humanly possible into this world he spent god knows how fucking long creating i think 10 years this was supposed to come out two years after titanic but he had the idea i think dating back to the 80s 
Th this has been like an idea years in the fucking making. And James Cameron, we, we all know that man is a perfectionist. So it's like, of course, he's going to try and like get the audience as immersed in that world as possible. So I noticed this recently because I got a 3D copy of Avatar. The first shot of Avatar, right? It's like Jake's mind flying over some trees, right? And they pulled some Wizard of Oz shit. Most people don't know this. The stereo separation or whatever it's called in that opening shot is really minimal. Like, we've got this anaglyph footage up here, so you can see the lack of red and blue ghosting. There's not too much depth going on, even though it's like this huge, wide shot over all these trees. Then they hit you with a fucking one-two punch. They give you a gimmicky little, oop, there's a funny object coming around near the camera when he wakes up in cryo. But what's next encapsulates what makes Avatar the best of all fucking time. The shot of Jake coming out of cryo into that giant chamber. It's mad. Massive. There's deep focus. There's an unusual amount of stuff going on in the distance. In the 2010 documentary, uh, Capturing Avatar, from the special, like, collector's edition Blu-ray, they say that the movie's, like, Dorothy walking into Oz moment is when Jake's torch gets extinguished, and you see the bioluminescent forest for the first time, but I've never heard anybody mention these opening shots, but that shot is what rules in a nutshell. There's, like, these weird angles constantly, where the camera's orient oriented like diagonally on its x-axis. It doesn't feel like a shoebox at all. It feels dynamic and really modern. This movie's filled with these really cool set extensions that make it feel fucking big. Uh, another fucking absolute crackhead thing this movie does in 3D is the screens that people use on the base. So there's like projected holograms, right? Of course you expect those to be in 3D. They're volumetric, but dig this. This is fucking nuts. The iPad looking things that like the monitors people have actually have depth on what's inside them. Like, they use these little pre-comps that you can see into. Like, the screen is holding its own little geometry and shit inside. It was this way on the re-release, so hopefully the 3D Blu-ray I'm showing has that in the footage, too. It was the craziest creative decision. Uh, these are my big things to mention, like, 3D-wise. Uh, this is based more on intuition rather than certainty, but I think the 3D gets worse as the film carries on, probably because you might get desensitized to it, or because they pumped out these special effects shots on an exponential curve that sped up significantly near release. Uh, but don't let that fuck with you, though. Nothing comes close to this movie. See it in 3D. It's undeniably the best. Uh, I'm glad someone else kind of sees the thing where it gets worse over time because I remember mm -hmm. watching it and by the time the third act was ending and I was like, why aren't my eyes like popping out of their eye sockets anymore? Yeah. What can you say about the 3D in this movie that you guys haven't already said? It's spectacular. Nothing else is like it. The only movie I've ever seen where watching it in the theater in 3D came close to Avatar was the post-conversion done on Titanic, which was a very spectacular post-conversion. I lied earlier when I said Doctor Strange is some of the best post-conversion work. The actual answer to that question is Titanic, because James Cameron, like, personally spent $70 million converting that motherfucker to 3D or some shit. The 3D in this movie is just absolutely incredible. I mean, the we're not in Kansas anymore moment that you talk about, Austin. I remember in the theater, just this recently, before I watched this re-release, guys, I had never seen Avatar in 3D. Oh. I just didn't see it in a theater back in the day, and I didn't own a 3D TV at home. So why would I have ever gotten the chance to see it in 3D? Until now. And I'm like, oh, wow, I get it now. I, I liked Avatar beforehand, and I'll get into why I liked it when we get to that section, but there's no denying that the 3D and, and just being in a theatrical experience in general enhances it. This is a no-holds-barred epic blockbuster in 3D, and the 3D is absolutely spectacular.
What about the 3D craze that inspired it? If you oh, the 3D craze that it fucking inspired it was a fucking nightmare. There were definitely instances, some that we talked about already, where they actually worked in the 3D really well. In fact, some of the movies were shot in 3D for that reason. But like, no fucking joke. Once that movie became the highest grossing movie of all time in like what February of 2010, January of it, 2010, it only took a couple months for it to surpass Titanic, which at the time was the only other movie to gross a billion dollars. Yeah. No, 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 no. One of the Pirates movies did it. Once that thing became the highest grossing movie ever fucking made, literally March of 2010, the ugliest movie ever made and one of the worst movies ever made, Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland gets post-converted into 3D. It is rushed to all fucking hell. The month after that, Clash of the fucking Titans. There was a Resident Evil movie that came out that exact same year that, like, tricked the audience into thinking James Cameron had, like, involvement with it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was like Resident Evil Afterlife, I think. That one was actually shot in 3D, but it was fucking terrible. We just got like this huge fucking wave of 3D movies, and it just made going to the movies less fun for a little bit because most of the options were in 3D, and most of those movies I did not want to see in 3D. So I'm happy that it's kind of died down, but... God, with Avatar 2 right around the corner, who fucking knows? So back to you, Terry. Oh, it's coming back, baby! It's back, baby! Let's go, baby! I, I think it was funny that, like, in this decade, we watched the birth and death of 3D between the two Avatar films. Because Avatar 2 took so long to come out, 3D died before Avatar 2 came out. It was... And now it's just gonna bring it back. Like, from a historical co- like context, it's really crazy. We got 3D TVs and everything, and they're all fucking extinct now. I, oddly enough, don't own a 3D TV, but I apparently own a 3D Blu-ray player that I bought at a thrift store thinking it was just a normal Blu-ray player. Fun fact about 3D Blu-ray, by the way. 3D Blu-ray releases are the only way you can find IMAX aspect ratio home physical releases of Marvel movies. They're only on the 3D Blu-ray releases. I do not know why. And as far as the craze goes, I agree with Austin. It is very fucking funny that it lived and died before Avatar 2 could come out. (laughs) That just shows how goddamn long it took Avatar 2 to come out. I I like to bring up the fact that we had not one, not two, not three, but four Avengers movies in between Avatar movies. And as a matter of fact, we would have gotten 28 Marvel movies, period, between Avatar movies, which is everything except Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk. That is how long it took for this goddamn movie to come out. It took so long to come out, it's a Disney movie now. Avatar was almost a Disney movie in the first place. 20th Century Fox said, like, no way we're funding this, fuck you. And so Cameron went right over to Disney, and Fox was like, wait a minute, we have the right to first refusal, or whatever that's called. And then they were like... It was literally Fox being like, we won't do it and nobody will. And James Cameron's like, okay, goes over to Buena Vista. Wait, 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 shit. I changed my mind. Fuck. (laughs) Clearly it didn't matter, though, considering the fact that it's a Disney property now. And also there was already a world of Pandora over in Disney World. It's actually a very cool part of the park if you're ever in those neck of the woods. Right. Moving past all the 3D stuff, guys, let's get into the meat and potatoes. Avatar, the movie, the game. The movie. (laughs) What do you guys think of Avatar overall? Austin, I want to start with you. Sometimes 
There's media so expensive, so well made, that seeing it on the highest fidelity possible is an important part of the ritual. There's movies like 2001, where it's good no matter like what you watch it on, but it gets better in a huge theater, right? Then there's shit like Lawrence of Arabia, where you kinda gotta see it on a big screen to fully grasp why people love this thing so much. Avatar is the most extreme example of a film whose quality is entirely dependent on the fidelity of how you're seeing it. Every time I tried to watch Avatar at home in the last, like, what, 12, 13 years, I usually just gave up. Thank God for the recent re-release. It's so I might fucking not. long, Jesus. <laughs> I might not have been here. There's some stuff in here that's unabashedly 2009, uh, even when you see it in theaters. Most distinctively, the way Sam Worthington talks. Okay. Ah, damn. Why not let them just kill my ass? Crap. A warrior of the Jarhead clan. Uh, Sam Worthington in general is very like a relic of 2009. But then there's the <laughs> fact that the film is based. I don't have much to say about this movie besides that it's like beautiful, it's long, wild journey, see it in a theater. But man, I've been interested for a while now in this claim that Avatar had no cultural impact. Uh, like, you guys hear that on the internet sometimes, right? This whole fucking thing about being like, uh, name a character from Avatar. Fuck you, name a character from Lawrence of Arabia. You fucking can't, dipshit. What the fuck? That's not a fucking measure of anything. That's just a measure of how catchy the names are. Are you fucking stupid? People's expectation. I think some people might be wondering about this. Like, Avatar shot at the king, okay? There's a lot of movies where it's just like, oh, they make something, like, fashionable, like a fucking type of hoodie or some shit or some shoes. Avatar was like, yo, fuck colonialism in the military-industrial complex. Finally, a mainstream movie that is brave enough to say that all of a white guy's problems would be solved if he just stopped being a white guy. Just what kind of cultural impact was it supposed to have? This is post-9-11 America. This movie could not do shit. It's the highest-grossing movie of all time, and there is no way that this fucking movie is unjamming the, any cogs in that giant fucking machine. <laughs> Plus, you know, it, it just sounds weird when you try to quote Avatar. Like, imagine if some dude on the street was like, hey, Taruk Makto, you'd be like, get out of here. That's most of what I think is interesting about Avatar. That's most of my thoughts. It's mostly just head empty, see it in theaters, kind of like a theme park ride, but a really good theme park ride with a great story that was put together by a fucking genius, a bunch of geniuses. I appreciate it, in context. Totally, I totally get that. Avatar uh, is most certainly a movie made for the big screen. I, Like I said before, I liked it before I ever saw it on the big screen, but it is definitely enhanced by the big screen. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like you try to watch Interstellar on the big screen and you're like, this is the greatest movie ever made. Yep. But then you watch it on your laptop and you're like, Huh. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still cool, but... I thought I was going to huh. shit my pants when they went into that wormhole the first time in theaters. I did shit my pants. I'm still shitting my pants. Eight years later, send help, I need a doctor. Uh, send Dr. House. Joe, what do you think of Avatar <laughs> overall? So, Avatar theatrical experience. That's, that's the way to see it. For this rewatch, that is not what I was able to do, because I have had arguably the worst fucking September of my entire goddamn life and actual like real life events caused me to miss the theatrical re-release of Avatar, which genuinely sucks, but there, there's probably a chance I might be able to see it again. Who knows? So since I actually fought for this to be on the schedule, I had to find like 
other means to watch this at home. I watched it in the privacy of my own home. I watched the extended cut and without subtitles because they just weren't encoded into the movie. And that that's my experience for this rewatch. And you know what? I got to say, it was actually very pleasantly surprising. It, it really goes to show just how fucking well James Cameron can like cast actors in specific roles because man oh man I like had zero subtitles whenever they spoke Navi and yet I was still able to follow what was going on one that's efficient storytelling that's also just efficient direction of your actors because it's like if you can still like convey the story and not understand a single word they're saying but you get it through like visuals and through the actors performance that's directing done good you did good good job Cameron directing good uh, that's not going to be a catchphrase um the actual movie itself i think it gets a little bit too much hate it's not perfect you have that stupid fucking argument that everybody makes oh it's just dances with wolves but with blue people come up with something fucking original every movie is a knockoff of another movie like who gives a shit i was gonna say one of them i don't remember uh, what filmmaker said it but one of the most famous filmmakers ever said it's like basically every movie is a remake of another movie so just like get over it fuck you say whatever you want about the story it is definitely weak in places but you know what isn't weak the world of pandora it's like i just like spending time in it it's like you you could tell me all the stuff about it and i'd still be fascinated but you could also just kind of leave a lot of that to the imagination and i would still really enjoy it because man oh man 90 percent of it still really fucking holds up it is a very beautiful looking movie in some instances I, i don't know how rushed the visual effects were in this movie but there's some texture works on some of the animals that just kind of look a little rough I, i think another problem runtime it does run a little bit too long some of the dialogue especially the military dialogue i, I think i know where purple hearts got its inspiration from <laughs> yeah the the military dialogue in this reminded me of that it's pretty bad so check this out man meals on wheels as head of security it is my job to keep you alive i will not succeed Every living thing that crawls, flies, or squats in the mud wants to kill you and eat your eyes for jujubes. I'm running on fumes, so I think I'm just going to pass it back to Tanner and I'll leave it off with Movie Good. There we go. Movie Good. Movie Good. Um, I don't know what you guys are on about. I thought this was M. Night Shyamalan's worst movie by far. (laughs) So it's a very fun movie to watch. I saw it in theaters about a week ago now, and I forgot the plot already. They need to uh, obtain a mineral that's unobtainable. (laughs) I remember now, and they named it after the real-life scientific terminology that has existed for decades called unobtainium. Ooh, Tanner just (laughs) shot at, like, thousands of people. Tanner just blew him up with a I'm so fucking sick and tired of the they literally called it unobtainium. Yeah, because that's a fucking thing that exists. That's like pissing your pants because the B movie calls them bumblebees. Now try and defend Randomonium from Scooby-Doo 2. I'm not here for that. Listen, (laughs) Monsters Unleashed. Monsters Unleashed is an unparalleled masterpiece, but we're not talking about that movie today. I'm not kidding. Scooby-Doo 2 is better than Avatar. Fight me on that. Um, (laughs) I love you, guys. I mean it. One movie made me cry. The other didn't. Anyway, it's a fun movie. I think uh, the thing that stands out about it is obviously not the plot. Very generic plot. It's not really the characters, not the human characters. 
characters, I should say. The Navi characters are actually fairly interesting, especially, uh, Neytiri is easily the best character in the movie. Uh, she has an arc that isn't just white guy being like, what if I wasn't a white guy? Because we, we already have seen that character arc in Goodfellas. Sam Worthington is good in this movie, dare I say it. Even though I've recently found out apparently he's supposed to be American in this movie, which means his accent work needs work. The language is a pain. AWA will provide. Sometimes your whole life boils down to one insane move. Another thing, he should have stayed with his long hair that he had on Earth because he looked hotter with long hair. Can't, can't disagree. The characters aren't that spectacular. The plot is whatever, but the set pieces, the set design, the world design, mwah, mwah, mwah. Just spectacular to look at. It is the ultimate put on in the background movie, except that it's too pretty for that because you'd wind up getting distracted. Like you turn it on to vacuum and then next thing you know, you've been vacuuming in the same spot for 47 minutes. Right. Because you just can't stop looking at the bioluminescence. The CG in this movie is spectacular. It is still, to this day, some of the best visual effects I've ever seen in the movie. Sure, some of the texture work is weak, especially in that third act. But you know what? It's fun. There's a lot of cool stuff in here. I see you. That's a cool phrase. That's just a cool phrase that, like, movies have sometimes. Like, may yeah. the force be with you. The liberals were just trying to think, how do we respond to people of color? We want them Holy to be cool shit, with us. Did that, did that as, like, an expression exist before Avatar? No, Nancy Pelosi never said I see you. James Cameron <laughs> Avatar gave us woke liberals. Should that be a poll quote on the poster? <laughs> God. I guess this disproves Go Won't Go Broke then because this movie made Boingo Bucks. Mm -hmm. Just recently surpassed $2.9 billion at the box office. It's probably gonna hit 300, three, 300 billion. No, that'd be fucking insane. Three billion by the time this re-release is over. How fucking funny would that be if it just made $297 billion out of nowhere? The sequel doesn't stand a chance because Avatar just keeps making money. It's the still... first movie to sell one more billion tickets. If, if Even if it sold one more billion tickets it still wouldn't after inflation have sold more than gone with the wind that's just a Nothing record can. no one's ever gonna touch it's still like a three billion dollar difference <laughs> the creature design is all incredible i like the way the creatures look that moment at the end where like the animals of pandora start fighting back against the military it's just a great crowd-pleasing moment though austin you saw the re-release right yeah, yeah, I did. How weird was that extra scene they added at the end of the third act where, like, the corporate guy was like, this isn't over yet. It was bad. Apparently that sh that scene has existed since 2009. They just didn't include it in there for obvious fucking reasons. It's a bad, pointless scene that just serves as sequel bait. Why they added it into the re-release, I don't know. Ooh, that Avatar 2 scene we saw, though. Ooh, baby. What a pretty dolphin. Yeah. Overall, though, I'm spending more time talking about things other than Avatar when I try to talk about Avatar. I'm sorry, James Cameron. Titanic was a better movie. Shoot me. T2 was a significantly better movie than this. D2, The Mighty Ducks, was a significant... <laughs> we'll talk more about Avatar and or D2, The Mighty Ducks, after a brief commercial break. And his name is John Cena! All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And uh, it's time for general discussion, in which case I actually only have one important thing to bring up to you guys. All right. 
Do you want the hair thing? Do you oh. want to like plug your hair into a dog and control the dog? So I got to bring up something that the Big Bang Theory also brings up. So the Halu, whatever that thing is called, when they hook them up to the ponies, the, the pony tilts to the pony things, right? That's how they like control the animals and bond with them, right? Well, later yeah. we also find out that when you hook up the ponytails with the other Navi, it's like having sex. So mm-hmm. the Helu is like their junk. Oh, they fucking... Oh, they fucking... <laughs> Me personally, I would not stick my dick in a dog to control it. I I, I got indignant and texted Tanner after the re-release. I was like, you know what? The hair scene was in there, bitch. And Tanner sends me articles, like a Reddit thread <laughs> with proof that the hair sex scene was not in there. And it just blows my mind that the hair sex scene was so powerful, we projected it backwards into our cultural memory. Yeah, that scene only ever existed in the original re-release from August of 2010. That scene was never in the theatrical cut. Which, by the way, the theatrical cut is different from the standard cut. How many which fucking is, both cuts? Both of those are different from the extended cut, and then this most recent re-release is also a different cut. How many it, fucking cuts of this movie are there? Measured in Blade Runners to Blade Runners. Oh my god. Two. Two Blade Runners. <laughs> <laughs> Two things I thought were funny that were influences on this movie were a screen test for this adaptation of like a sci-fi story called Brother Termite, uh, where that was like, oh, we can do this. I think it's like some two screen test from 2001. I'll put it up. But then the other one was James Cameron visited the set of fucking Beowulf, and that had like blind cap paradigm, so you couldn't see like any kind of like pre-rendering on set. And so James Cameron showed up and was like, what if I could see pre-rendering on the monitor and that was one of the various like technical advances this film made that was probably the single greatest technical thing that that film made because because of it we now have so much more mocap in movies because beforehand they would avoid it but with this movie introduced it just a few years later we get the start of the planet of the apes trilogy that uses this technology heavily another thing that's crazy is i think they would capture point cloud data like they would put these people in this volume of like hundreds of cameras and it would capture basically the data of where their like body parts and shit are going. So then after the movie was wrapped, this point cloud data would be like saved on a hard drive and James Cameron just, would just be like by himself with a camera framing shots with these ghosts of the actors from during production. It was, it's fucking crazy. This is like a movie from the future. I cannot believe they did this in 2009. <laughs> And to think the technology we're getting in Avatar 2 is so revolutionary that we'll be seeing it in Black Panther Wakanda forever first. Kimabe! Kimabe! <laughs> yeah, I just, I think it's very funny that Avatar 2 took 13 years because it needed to invent a bunch of technology, specifically with water, and then Disney's golden child Marvel got to play with the toys first. Got to show off the toys first, rather. Yeah. No matter how you slice it, that's just fucking funny. So before this came out, you can read this in Wikipedia, like culture critics and people online were predicting it was going to flop. There were a lot of like respectable like writers for publications who were like, oh, this is going to fail at the box office. It is trash. And then like actual like box office analysts, like the money people who consult like shareholders and shit. Like they were like, oh no, this is going to do great. I think that's so funny that like the people who write about movies like for a living like us were like, oh, this is going to bomb. And then the like, you know, the money people, the serious ones were like, shut the fuck up, bitch. Well, at this point, you just don't doubt James Cameron. They doubted him when T2 was over budget and overrunning. They doubted him when Titanic was, first off, 
Titanic, which at the time was the most expensive movie ever made, and then that was the highest grossing movie ever. And then they dadded him again. And Austin, you know what I keep fucking seeing now? Nobody cares about the first Avatar. The sequel's gonna bomb. Nobody's gonna give a shit. Motherfucker, this movie made so much fucking money in China back when China didn't fucking have a market like it does now. This movie, Avatar, is the reason why people care about China's box office because this movie showed that you could potentially make more money in China than you can in America. And that's when China had shittier theaters than they do now and significantly fewer theaters than they do now. Sure, this movie has no cultural impact in America, but in China, this is their Star Wars. It is one of the remaining, like, few prestigious IPs. A lot of prestigious IPs have lost, like, what made them special, but Avatar still has it. Yeah, there's no Avatar TV show yet. All right, so who's ready for some trivia corner? Sure. When Sam Worthington auditioned for this movie, he was living in his car, and then he got to be in this movie, and now he has four more movies worth of work, and if his agent is worth a damn, he got points on the back end on those sequels. I hope to God his agent was a smart man <laughs> because if he was a, if his agent was a smart person Sam Orverton is fucking set for life right the Navi language was created from scratch by an actual linguist Dr. Paul R. Frommer James Cameron literally hired him to construct a language that would be easy for the actors to pronounce, but would not resemble any human language. The guy made about a thousand words for the language just for this movie. And from what I understand, he's made even more for the sequel because there's going to be more of the language in here. The two towers. It was specifically the two towers that convinced James Cameron that the technology was ready for making Avatar. Gollum. And yet it still took another seven years for it to come out. It was Gollum, though, but it wasn't Gollum and Fellowship. It was Gollum and the two towers. Oh, I believe that. <laughs> Yeah, because Gollum's barely in Fellowship. Jesus. And he looks like shit. James Cameron is known for being a strict perfectionist, right? Apparently, he had a nail gun that he would use to nail any cell phones he heard going off over by the exit sign if it went off in the middle of a take. I don't know how legal that is. Yeah, I I heard about that. That's, That's douchey. That's a bit much. Sam Worthington said learning the Navi language was easier than doing an American accent. Judging from the movie, I can believe it. The cigarettes that Sigourney Weaver smokes in this movie are all CG. Damn. They don't actually exist. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) So much extra work for nothing. What? You know, Sigourney Weaver just was really scared about uh, lung cancer, I guess. Matt Damon and Jake Gyllenhaal were the studio's first choices to play this lead character. And as odd as this sounds, I think James Cameron was right to cast Sam Worthington because I don't think the movie works as well if you actually know the actor that plays Jake. Yeah. I think him being an unknown makes the whole wanting to be someone else like feel more real for the audience. If it was Jake Gyllenhaal up there, it'd be like, well, why would you want to be someone else? You're Jake Gyllenhaal. That's fair. (laughs) When 20th Century Fox, we talked about this earlier about how they didn't want to fund this movie. When they were getting worried about the production overruns and the costly delays going up and up, there was a meeting at some special like studio building on the 20th Century Fox lot. They had a meeting about that. And when James Cameron went to this meeting to talk about it being overrun, they were all like, we should cut your budget. You need to cut these scenes. You need to cut those scenes. And James Cameron stood up, pointed to the room around him and said, Titanic built this building. <laughs> James Cameron is the king of like one-liners and pitch meetings and meetings with studio executives that way. Have you heard the thing about aliens? Yep. Just wrote an <laughs> S on the board. Yeah, he wrote alien and then just S with two strikes through like a dollar sign. <laughs> And then they were like, sold! Oh, Terry Notary worked on this film. The guy who played Gordy and Nope did some of the movement coaching on this, I believe. 
all of the animals on Pandora, except for the Navi and obviously humans, have six legs. Hexapedal! The movie is only 40% live action and 60% photorealistic CG, and I imagine that difference is going to be even greater in the sequel. Oh, yeah. By far. Uh, Michael Bean was originally considered for the Stephen Lang part, but didn't get the part because James Cameron was like, well, I'm already working with Sigourney Weaver, who I worked with before. I don't want this to just be a reunion. Yeah. Also, I don't think that part would probably work for Michael Bean. I, I, I like Michael Bean, but, you know, Stephen Lang, he's, he's, actually, he's iconic in that role for a reason. This movie came out in 2009. The Oscars in 2009, though, do you guys remember what was significant about the movie that won Best Picture that year? It was Slumdog Millionaire that won it in 2009. Okay. The thing that made Slumdog Millionaire significant is that it was the first movie shot on digital camera to win Best Picture. By extension, Avatar was the first movie shot on digital cameras to win Best Cinematography. Oh. I thought you were going to talk about the uh, the Catherine Bigelow thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. They used to be married. Yeah, they used to be married. <laughs> Imagine losing to your ex-wife. <laughs> Joke's on her, I guess. He made a billion dollars, but she won Best Picture, I guess. Win some, lose some? Yeah, that, yeah uh, maybe. This was the first movie shot in 3D, released in 3D, and released in IMAX. All of those to be nominated for Best Picture. A lot of the sound design for the creatures are, get this, stolen from Jurassic Park. I was gonna <laughs> say something about that, because I was like listening to like some of the sound designers, like, that's the Velociraptor, that's the T-Rex. Like, they, there, there are sound effects that are lifted from Jurassic Park in this. This movie was shot on the fusion camera system, sometimes called the reality camera. And there were like four movies that came out before Avatar using this like Avatar camera. Uh, U2 3D, Journey to the Center of the Earth, Jonas Brothers, the 3D concert experience, (laughs) and The Final Destination. And uh, finally, one last thing. This movie was originally meant to come out in 1999, like I alluded to earlier. He was immediately supposed to launch straight into it after wrapping up on Titanic and finish it. But after wrapping up on Titanic and also the delays in Titanic's post-production, he did the math and realized that because of where the technology was, it was going to cost $400 million to make Avatar in 1999. And the technology still wouldn't look that good. And he went, okay, you know, I don't think I can convince the studio to do that. $250 million, 10 years later, though? You bet, baby. All right, all right. Any final thoughts? Joe Vrenick, we will not start with you. We will start with Austin. Uh, if they ever release this in theaters again, just shut up and go see it. Joe. Uh, yeah, still good movie, though. For science fiction in 2009, I still think District 9 was the one that actually deserved best picture over Avatar. Yeah. Well, neither won. Yeah, neither did. <laughs> Captain Bigelow kicked their asses. It's a fun movie. You're meant to see it on the big screen. It's hard to talk about. But if it ever comes out in theaters again in seven years, go see it. But you know who else you should go see in seven years? My ass. Your child! And by that, I mean you! The person watching slash listening to the first ever Tanner Richard Craft hosted edition of Bomb Squad Movie Night. And if you are listening to this on any of the audio platforms we're on, go ahead and leave us a review. It helps boost us in the algorithm or something. I don't know. I just work here. If you are watching this on Spotify video, I hope you enjoyed this very uncensored version of Bomb Squad Movie Night. Or how about you mosey on down over to our Patreon and throw a couple bucks our way so you can make our 
our dreams and 17 dying orphans' dreams come true. <laughs> don't ask about the orphans. And don't, don't tell the police about that either. And if you are watching this on YouTube, thank you oh so very much for watching Bomb Squad Movie Night Avatar. Go on down to the comment section below and let us know. What do you think of Avatar? What do you think of the 3D movie craze that Avatar inspired? What do you think of Avatar in 3D? Are you excited for Avatar Way of the Water? And finally, would you do hair sex? Yes, no. Comment below and let me know. And while you're down there, hit the like button so you know how much you like us. Hit the subscribe button so you know how much you love us. And hit the bell icon so you know exactly when we upload new videos. Make sure you tune in next week when we talk about... One of the greatest sequels ever made, which is also simultaneously one of the greatest remakes ever made. Evil Dead 2, baby. Oh, that's weird. I thought we were talking about the Equalizer 2. Oh, Either fuck. way, turn in then. It'll be a lot of fun. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I see you. And the winner is The Hurt Locker.